Island with you for the next hour or so. We want to get you involved in the conversation. Don't forget, at any stage, you can call us or text us or WhatsApp us at 085 That's 085 The number is on the screen. If you're listening, don't forget, you can watch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can watch the video of the whole show live. You can listen to all the callers and you can interact as well. This is Ireland's only fully interactive live podcast each and every day. Don't forget, by the way, we want to say thank you to everybody who's supporting us. We got some donations yesterday, which was absolutely wonderful. And I really appreciate every single euro. If it was five euro or 20 euro, it doesn't matter. If it was two euro, it doesn't really matter. We would ask you to try and support the show so we can continue to provide this platform for you every single day. And all you got to do to do that is go to our website, nileboylan.com. If you can't do that, the one thing we ask you is you tell a friend about the show. Share a link to the show, share it from Twitter, from Facebook, wherever it happens to be. Just share a link with a friend to the show. But please try and support us. There's three of us work on this show. We don't get paid. We have our own jobs. As you know, I work in radio. We do our own thing. And this show basically is our passion. But our passion costs money. And we had to, we had to invest in this passion. And unfortunately, it doesn't make money. So we do. And we would like to make things better and bigger. But to do that, we need more investment. So please help to support the show by just donating. Go to the website, either subscribe to the website when the subscription plans are $5.99 a month where you can watch our full catalogue of videos which are available to you. Or indeed, you can just go to the donate page and you can donate whatever you want. You don't actually get anything for that apart from a big thank you from us for trying to support the show. You can support, you can donate a fiver or you can donate five grand, whatever you like to do. I wish you would. I wish somebody would. Now, we have a lot to get through today. And I suppose the main thing we need to talk about is free speech and freedom of speech. Because, of course, it's in the news. And the government have used the tragedy of last Thursday and the riots of last Thursday night, which are condemned by all sides, by the way, as an opportunity, I suppose, to talk about free speech and to rush through legislation that people are not happy with. And the words of Benjamin Franklin, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. Freedom of speech, he said, is the principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of, free so of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected in its ruins. In other words, it's Orwellian. The idea that we would be restricted in what we can say, and I put a caveat in there, we already have legislation from 1989 that restricts our freedom somewhat that you cannot and you should not incite violence, you should not incite any type of violence whatsoever. In other words, from last week, we talked about last Thursday night very briefly. If you went online and said, everybody go into town and burn the gaff town, or everybody go into town and attack the guard of Shia Khanna, or everybody go into town and set fire to a Lewis or a tram, or attack the guards or whatever it is, you are actually committing a criminal offence. And I don't think anybody would have any objection to that because you're inciting violence. But if you turned around and you said, everybody go into town, we want to have a peaceful protest, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a protest. You have a right under the Constitution to what they call peaceful assembly. If you put something up online, for example, and you have an opinion on something, be it on the transgender community or a minority or whatever it happens to be, and you have an opinion, that opinion may be somebody else's hatred. Now, Leo Varadkar announced that the government would pass two significant pieces of legislation, and they've taken this opportunity of these riots where they labelled everybody as right-wing or extreme right-wing. Now remember, those individuals that were in town setting fires, causing mayhem and violence, 
they're not extreme right wing. They're just toe rags. They don't represent any side of any debate. There's a lot of those people are with, that I witnessed wouldn't have two brain cells to rub together to even understand the debate that's going on in this country around, for example, immigration and immigration policy. And what some people perceive to be a reckless policy in immigration. Others agree with it, and I get that too. The all are welcome brigade. I don't know where they're going to fit them all, but they're all welcome. Because realistically, we don't have the housing and the accommodation for the people we already have in Ireland. But yet we want to continue to bring in some sort of infinite number of people and provide accommodation for everybody without people living on the streets in tents. As I said, Leo announced the government would pass two pieces of significant legislation in the coming weeks. One, to grant the police the authority to use facial recognition technology. That's another debate. But the Irish Council for Civil Liberties has already said they don't agree with it because it's not accurate and it identifies people of colour in error. Also, they talked about free speech or hate speech laws online. And he said, this is what Leo said, and I'm quoting, it's clear to anyone who may have doubted in that our current laws addressing incitement to hatred are inadequate for the social media era. He emphasised the need for laws that enable authorities to take action against those responsible, particularly influential social media accounts, disseminating racist messages. Now, of course, we all know that racist messages are open to interpretation. If you turn around and said, well, I don't believe more immigrants should be allowed into Ireland, some people could deem that as being racist. Or you did said, I don't want a particular nationality in Ireland because I don't like their culture. Some people would deem that to be racist. That's just your opinion. Some people might not like that opinion, but are we going to be prevented from saying things like that? Now, the new laws have been particularly controversial, with some commentators arguing that they are overly intrusive. Elon Musk said in April on X that the proposed laws were a massive attack on freedom of speech. And he even went as far as to say only recently that he believed Leo Varadkar hated Ireland or Irish people. Now, RT conducted a poll which found that only 19% of the Irish public were in support of these new laws. We already have laws, as I said, from decades ago that prevent people from inciting hatred or inciting violence. But it seems they're not good enough. Adjusting those laws would have been enough just to include social media to some degree. But we've gone a step further. We now want to make hurty words illegal. Words that hurt people's feelings. But the very idea that you might have in your possession and your device or your computer will be enough to have you arrested and possibly jailed. And if you don't cooperate with Angarda Shikana when they raid your house to look for your mobile phone that you might be in possession with something that you haven't actually used, you can also be jailed for not helping and cooperating with Angarda Shikana. Section 13 of the law even suggests your employer can be prosecuted if they're aware of your activities of posting hurty words. Now, let's be clear. Opinions are just that. Opinions and one person's opinion may be another person's offence or hate, depending on their interpretation. And these laws were formulated at a time last year when trans people were lobbying to have their feelings protected. And the minister herself seems to be confused about the definition of hate, as it's a word that's subjective and open to interpretation. But whose interpretation? Hers? The courts? Some barrister? I mean, those who are in the protected characteristics set out in the legislation are race, colour, nationality, descent, religion, ethnic and national origin, gender, including gender expression and identity, and sexual orientation and disability. Now, really, it's a nonsensical bill when you think about it. Because, firstly, we have TDs and ministers who don't even know what a woman is. So how can we actually have a protected characteristic of gender when the ministers themselves, who make these laws, 
can't even describe what the word female or woman is without getting all embarrassed and weird and thinking about how NGOs might take up their answer. The legislation also reverses the burden of proof, contrary to what Minister McEntee says, with ministers even struggling, as I said, to define some of the characteristics. Minister McEntee, the Justice Minister, has defended the law, <sighs> as she would, and describes the protected characteristics of gender, saying it allows for the protection of transgender or non-binary persons based on the recommendations from civil society. So if I went online tomorrow and said, what's the story with this gender fluid carry-on? What, you give me a man one day and a woman the next? I don't believe that, that's nonsense. Are they hurty words? Is that hate? Am I committing some sort of act of hatred against non-binary people or, I don't know, fluid people or something like that? I'm of an opinion there's only two genders, male and female. That's my opinion. Surely I should be entitled to that without hurting somebody's feelings. And if I hurt somebody's feelings, so be it. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. We live in a free society. But there are those who agree with the law. And to be fair, I want to be fair to those people too. They say it's unfortunate that people are allowed to go onto social media, particularly Twitter, and say things that can offend them and make them feel invaluable in society. And they believe that should be stopped and should be a criminal offence. But I want to know what you think. Do you believe we need legislation? When we see social media, and there's no doubt, by the way, that social media can be toxic. We've seen that in the past. But do you believe we need legislation to stop people having what essentially are opinions, although they'll be very opinionated sometimes, online? Let me know what you think. The number is 85 I do want to hear from people, by the way, who agree with the legislation. I want to be fair. You won't be cut short. You won't be cut off the air for saying it. I'm quite happy to listen to your opinion and listen to the argument as to why you believe these, these new laws are important. Now, people have said, by the way, barristers, that these laws won't stand up in court. But we won't know that until somebody's prosecuted under this piece of legislation. The president will sign the law, most likely. And that's probably the best thing that can happen. Because people are saying, well, maybe we should take it to the Supreme Court before the president even gets a chance to sign it. That's a bad idea because you only get one shot at that. And if the Supreme Court says no and the president signs it, well, that's it. It's a done deal. Whereas if the president signs it first, somebody gets prosecuted and then it's chucked out of court because it's unconstitutional. Well, then that's the end of the law. So that's probably the best route we can take. But it does seem they're using the tragedy of a young girl who's now lying in hospital in a critical condition. Can I just point that out? Let's not forget that. To introduce legislation which they've been desperate to introduce for the last year. This is political football. You know that. I'm going to get your thoughts. 85 um, I'm going to come to Lisa, Joan and David first if I can. Um, Lisa, hi. How are you? Hi, Niall. How are you doing? Good. And I do apologise. I'm going to be quick with everybody because I have so many people who want to get on. But Lisa, fire away. Okay. Well, just looking at the government language themselves, they're saying they admit that it's going to create an aggravated form of existing criminal offences. But I think what, so they're admitting that, that as you said there, Niall, that there's already laws there to protect from what they're claiming they're protecting the public from. But I think what this is actually is to protect them from anybody speaking out and criticising them because they've gone so far over the line in their duty of care to this country that it's, it's actually not even believable. So I think that this is to protect them. The other thing you said there, Niall, was that the barristers said that it mightn't stand up the law. Well, they're going to earn a hell of a lot of money from taxpayers' money in defending this. But if somebody was to crash through your door, Niall, and your family and your kids and take your, your private and personal communications and your wife to be interpreted by God knows who, 
your life stops that day when you're arrested. And yes, you may not be charged at the end, but it could take a year or two before you get to trial and you're not able to speak in the meantime. So in, in effect, whether you are proven guilty or not, it gives them the ability to smash through your door and to interpret means and interpret anything uh, you know that's in your phone, in your home, um, as a kind of a, a thought crime and hold you over a barrel. People think when they hit, read something in the newspaper about a trial, you look at the date that they claim the alleged offence apparently happened. Oh, I know the court system is. I know the court system is so slow in this country; yeah. it can, t- it can so take years. Actually, yeah. So what they're actually doing is giving themselves an absolute immediate, um, what I would say, criminal um, aggravation of current laws there to actually allow anybody to be singled out. And I mean, you could even have Gardaí members of the Gardaí who are now being given the authority to use this even for their own personal needs. And whereas before they could be in danger of being caught for that, this gives them a, a blessing now to do that. It's absolutely lethal. And what's concerning is that the majority of the public that I speak to have no idea about the housing bill, no idea about the WHO stuff coming in, they've no idea about the hate bills. Well, 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 is, well is in this, isn't this what's going on over the last week? We're seeing this massive political football, that this tragedy that happened last Thursday, and of course the riots that ensued afterwards, are now being used as a way to deflect back to something that they tried to do during the year, but came up across a lot of objection. So they're using this as because, look, We've got to do it now. Look what happened last Thursday night. We, not, we need to stop that from happening in the future. And let's be clear, what happened last Thursday night is not the responsibility of anybody on either side of any debate because what happened last Thursday night were individuals who were intent on causing criminal activity. True, but the weaponization of any event at the moment by spin doctors to turn it into, you know, absolutely illogical arguments has just become, uh, you know, out of the park. And I would look at, say, for example, I remember Simon Harris calling unvaccinated people jerks and there was incitement of violence against people who had a position, either medically or whatever other reasons, to question, you know, um, the, the, the mRNA synthetic gene therapy protein spike experiment. And that, so are, are they going to be also liable if for, for the hatred that they're inciting against people? And, you know, is it a case that some very well-positioned legal people or even guardie might turn around and start arresting them? And how are they going to cope with that? Because it has to swing both ways. And I think also a concerning fact in this, as you mentioned there again, is that Section 13 also mentions that your employer can be prosecuted as well. Um, and now, I don't know whether that means if you're doing it on his time or her time, or indeed if they're aware of your activities, if you happen to work for a company or a body corporate, and uh, you're Absolutely. putting up activity online, that they can be responsible for that if they haven't reprimanded you over it already. I know this, so this puts people's jobs at risk, in other words. Absolutely. And then what about journalists, for example? Because they take very strong non-independent approaches towards individuals. Well, at least they're meant to take non-independent approaches. Yes, they do, but (laughs) that was to create, if a person in their mind was to think a journalist wrote in a hateful manner about them, are they able to get that journalist arrested? I mean, this is going to affect everybody, and the fact that some people are on the payroll or making money out of this, which they have been, they've made sure that civil servants and certain professions have actually had a much better quality of life over the last four years by following all of this, but that is just necessary. They've actually brought people in to become traitors, to serve traitors, because there is an overall ideology, which I think should be the, the very foundations of this, which I do bring up, and I know it annoys you, that this, this ideology of neo-Gnostic transhumanism. If people don't understand the fundamental core of what's happening, 
from a philosophical point of view of the direction that they're guiding humanity, people who have control over all the pyramid shapes, whether they're government, military, education, they control all of these and they have a belief system. And if people don't comprehend that that belief system, then everything just seems like a separate event and people are traumatized. And also, well, well, I suppose their argument is they have a mandate from the people who voted for them. Mind you, people don't really have much choice because it's, it's only them. True. And yeah. if, you, if people are, I'd say that mandate is actually fraudulently achieved if they have already signed up to the likes of W um, economic forum ideology. So if, if you if you vote somebody in on the basis that you but you have been told a certain thing, that's a contract. Yeah, but it, it may be a contract, but we've heard from ministers live on television on 6-1 News, I can't remember which one of them was at one stage, and he blatantly just said, remember, politicians lie at the front door. So, I, and he admitted it. He said they lie at the yeah. front door, and he was the leader of a political party at the time. I can't remember actually who it was, but he was the leader of a political party at the time. And he said politicians will lie at the front door. And that's unacceptable as well, because, of course, Absolutely most of these politicians, if you, if you go back in time, for example, most of these politicians had very different views retrospectively many years ago when they were voted in, and they've changed a lot of their views. And that's a little bit unfair of the people who voted for them. But either way, we want to just get back to what we're talking about. So you were, would be absolutely 100% against the legislation. But I assume, Lisa, you do agree that people shouldn't be going online and, you know, inciting violence or inciting hatred or inciting, you know, people to meet and burn the place down or whatever it happens to be. Well, I, yes, I believe that, you know, do no harm, take no property and protect the vulnerable. And I think society, if they had values, which they've been removed from, left, right and centre, would manage itself in those sort of things. But I, I don't think that giving um, the current members of Garda Siakona government or civil service or, or people who have money the ability to actually knock out anybody, um, regardless of whether they'll be charged. And that's what people have to realise. Because if I say, for example, I love the way Leo Varadkar is, is destroying Ireland. Well, I've used the word love. How can they say that's hate speech? Okay, Lisa, thank you very much indeed for that. Let me go to Joan. I'm going to come to Dave and Gladys as well. Uh, Joan, hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Niall. How are you? Good. Are you, are you familiar so, with the hate speech laws? Because a lot of people are not really too familiar with all of it, but it's quite complicated. It's quite long-winded, and it doesn't leave much room for opinion, to be honest with you. Well, I, yeah, I've, I've listened to a bit about it. It is quite confusing, Niall, but it's, I don't believe it's, it's, it's really a hate speech law. It's a hate thought law. Because if you think of something and you might screenshot something on your phone, if they if, you, if they get, and they have to get warrants to go through your phone. Well, from the district court, yeah, it, yeah. But they, here's the yeah, thing: it, it says according to the legislation, if a member of a Garda Shikana has a suspicion you may be in possession of any hate yeah. crimes, and um, they can get a warrant from the district court before they would have had to gone to the high court, they can get it from the district yeah. court. That's quite easy to do. But imagine, so they get this and they go in and they take your phone and you have screenshots of things that you have thought about. They might be two years back in your phone, but you can be done on that. But you're saying that when the, when the politicians are elected, they've changed what they told people at the door two years down the line to what they are. So does that mean that we're not allowed to have different thoughts about if we save something from two years ago, we might have different things on it now? Mm. I mean, I've got an awful lot of pictures of me, and screenshots of my phone that I wouldn't even know that you were there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, people send you stuff. Yeah, but it's coming, it's like, the, it's like they, don't want us to, they don't want us to think, it's like the, the, the words that are, that are very commonplace now at the moment, totalitarian. They, they just want to control people they, and they now want to control what we think. So if we're not allowed to say our feelings, so like Irish people, so an endearing thing that Irish people call their friends is a see you next Tuesday. Yep. So who dictates whether that's hate speech or not? 
Yeah, I, mean, oh, I know. I was only talking to somebody about this the other day. We do use really bad words as terms of endearment in this country. Yeah, as an endearing thing. I mean, you know, you'd say "f you" to somebody, yeah, you, you, you yeah, whatever. And but it's an endearing term. So it's like it's like the term, you know, "oh, come on, we have the crack." I mean, yeah. people use in America. So what are you talking about drugs? Yeah. So we as Irish people and our language, our slang, would have us all lynched. You yeah. know what I mean, so. Definitely, well, people, I suppose what they're saying is no if they take your phone or search your house and take your devices and they find a meme, say, for example, that has racist yeah. connotations, then you might not have made it. Somebody might have sent it to you and you kind of looked at it and went, oh, for God's yeah. sake. And it's on yeah. your phone. Yeah. The fact that it's even on your phone, not that you intended to use it, just because you're in yeah. possession of it is enough to have you arrested and but charged. The whole thing is that it's about control. They're telling you what you, they're now telling you what you can and cannot have on your personal devices. So it's an, also an invasion of privacy. So I'm not allowed to think. They're also, if you're, if you're, if you're having an argument with your husband and, and you have by text, they can go through all that. So I mean, and you could have personal, like really personal things, they can go through all that. So it's a complete invasion of your whole life, of your whole livelihood of everything. I, I've, been, I've been watching this, by the way, and it's nearly now on every news channel in the world. Ireland has yeah. become a national embarrassment. And at this point, Leo Varadkar, if he's, the, if he's the leader he is, should be standing up and saying, actually, we're not bringing in these laws until we really have a good debate about it and examine it and stop the world from looking at Ireland like we're a pack of fools because that's the way the world is yeah. looking at Ireland at the moment. No, we a group of a group of us went over to Brussels there in uh, May, and every and at the time there happens to be a COVID convention on us at the time that we were there, and every single person came over to us from every country and said, "What is going on in Ireland with your hate speech laws?" From Canada, from Switzerland, from Finland, from the Netherlands, everywhere, Germany, and every, they were all coming over to us and they were saying, "What is going on in your country?" And what they were more like bedazzled about is why are people not up in arms about this hate speech laws like everybody outside of Ireland realises the implication of it but so many people that are in this country haven't a clue well I, I have interviewed on many occasions here and people can go back on our website and look at all the interviews I've had of Michael Schellenberger who is the man who one of the authors of the Twitter files who is an advocate for free speech uh, and also a friend of Elon Musk's and we've, we've spoken to him on the air we've spoken to many people in America in relation yeah. to these laws and it's actually embarrassing talking to them because oh. they see these laws as the most restrictive they have ever seen. Joan, I'm really sorry I'm cutting everybody short today and I do apologise. Dave, I should be with you now two seconds. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. And all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. I was even watching the uh, Stephen Crowder podcast. He's a very popular podcaster, uh, Stephen Crowder. He gets millions and millions of views. And he said, Ireland's hate speech laws are not hate speech laws. They're just laws that hate what you say. Uh, let me just go to Dave. Dave, hi, how are you? Grand. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you, Now, Now, Dave, you're an elder and a member of the Church of uh, Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and also a film producer, director from the United States, but living in County Kerry. I hope you're liking it down there. That, by is, the way. that is right. Yes. Love it here. Okay. So, I mean, these hate speech laws, uh, they, mind you, religion is a protected characteristic under the laws, which is kind of bringing us back a little bit, I suppose, to blasphemy, isn't it? I suppose, to some degree. <laughs> well, my concern is how freedom of speech does affect religion. 
And it's only a matter of a step away before someone says, oh, he made a video of someone speaking from the pulpit. And we don't like the words that were said because that makes us feel bad or it makes us feel like we're being uh, preached against. And then somebody posts it online and all of a sudden this expands beyond anything I think it's intended to do. So I think from the get-go, we need to be very careful to see how is the ripple effect of this law going to affect other areas. Can I say something to you that's a bit contradictory? Because as a religious man, I'm assuming, did you agree with blasphemy laws? So first off, as a religious man, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe he taught us to love each other. And we do a very lousy job of doing that. We see examples all over the world and throughout history of man's inhumanity to man. And it's clear that uh, Christianity is ineffective at helping people to understand that Jesus Christ preached love. And we seem to be very far from that in so many instances. So one, I don't think people should use derogatory hate speech against each other intending to harm others through their speech. I don't want to see divisiveness. I don't want to see arguments and hate. Contention runs rampant. And all of those things are contrary to what Christ taught. No, 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 but you're missing missing the point, Dave. And I'm sorry for interrupting you, but you you missed the point. So we had a referendum not so long ago in this country to abolish the blasphemy laws, which were actually updated in 2011 for Dermot Ahern, where you're going to get a €25,000 fine and six months in jail um, if you deny the existence of God, Christ, and everything else. Now, our laws were so embarrassing that even the Pakistani government uh, thought our laws were brilliant. That's how embarrassing our laws were uh, when it came to blasphemy. But, you know, to me, it's a little bit of a contradiction. I'm going to have a go at you personally. But for religious people to say, well, hold on, we don't want free speech laws or these hate speech laws brought in because they will restrict our, our freedom to speak, but on the other hand, we agreed with blasphemy laws, which did, which stopped me from turning around saying, well, I think Jesus Christ was a hoax, if that's what I believe, but I'm not saying he was, but, or I don't believe in God, I think religion is a cult, or what, which they might be opinions held by people, which are there, I believe they're entitled to hold those opinions. So that Absolutely. would be considered blasphemy. And yes, the church defended blasphemy, but on the other hand, are now saying, but we don't want other laws that stop us saying what we want to say. Do you understand the point about well, I do totally understand, and there may be some churches that defended those laws, but my belief personally is that you have the right to think I'm crazy. You have the right to speak out and say this religion or that religion uh, is nothing but a belly laugh, and that that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it, and I may not like your opinion, but I will defend your right to say it. And that's my opinion. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. And, and, and I think you're 100% right in what you're talking about. If somebody takes a video of you in the pulpit, say, you know, denying or <laughs> saying that you are against gay marriage or whatever it happens to be, that it's against God's law, God's will or whatever, you know, that could be put online and, and perceived or interpreted as hate speech. Right. And that's my concern. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's government stepping in and saying, what can religions teach and what can they preach? And government control of religion is not something we want to see. Stay there for a second, Dave, if you can, because I want to go to Gladys. Sure. Gladys, hi, how are you? 
Hi, Nye. How are you? You've been listening to Dave there as a religious man. He has obviously his concerns too, because people of a religious belief have different, well, some differing views to those who wouldn't be of a religious belief. Well, I am completely cynical about this. Um, I personally believe, you know, I mean, if I say I hate Niall Boylan, you know, what am I going to be arrested? You know, if you say you hate me. You're entitled me, to hate me you if know. you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this is absolutely crazy. And I, I think what's happened in Ireland and, you know, are the NGOs are running the, are running the country. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the era of the politicians, you know, sort of thing that are in their bubble. And it is really, really cynical that the idea that I can't have a view and that my point of view, you don't have to agree with me or listen to me, but I have a right to my point of view and my beliefs. You know, I lived in a country that you were not allowed and you were terrified of saying anything. And I cannot believe, and I really feel passionate about this, that my own country has turned into this joke. That the, the thing that we're absolutely brilliant at is speech. We're you know, famous for it. We're fantastic and famous for it. Mm. And these idiots, whoever, want to shut that down. Why? Well, you, well, you just given the answer at the start of your conversation. You gave the answer. You said the NGOs. And this particular piece of legislation, of course, was yep. drafted over two years ago. And it was brought up then about six or seven months ago. And the reason it was brought up was in and around the time of all that hoo-ha on the Joe Duffy show in relation to, trans, to the transgender community. And yep. although the minister denies this, this has that was until what happened last, the events of last week, that was seemingly the reason for this legislation was to protect more so the LGBT community. Well, uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, I just don't buy that. I seriously don't buy that. I believe that we are a very, very liberal society now. We weren't always, but we are now. And people can live their lives freely. Nobody, it's the most least interesting thing about a human being. You know? I mean, you know, it's Pride Month, Pride something, every every day of the week. <laughs> you know, in, the, in reality... Most of us are just going about our business. Uh, you know, I don't care what sexuality you are. I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Off you go. You know, get married. So why, why, who's hating? You know, who's all these haters? I don't have anybody in my life that hates anybody. <laughs> well, but see, I mean, but turning around, for example, we remember the time of the debate on the Joe Duffy show in relation to transgenderism. And even yeah. though I've, I was of the view it was a very balanced debate, they had people on from both sides. You had the NGOs demanding RTE were brought before the Oireachtas Committee. That's where this That's was right. kind of all born out of. Uh, because, you know, people had suggested on the air that a man can't become a woman. Now, if I want to yeah. have an opinion that a man can't become a woman, I think I, I should be free to have that opinion. And I understand that people who may be transgender might take offence to that. But that's perfectly fine. We have to always risk offending people in the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of debate. That's the way it works. But unfortunately, well, some people know, just don't like hurting words. Nile, you know, um, I, I'm a disabled woman. I have a, a spinal injury, acquired acquired an injury. So I'm a protector in this hate speech law. Right? right. Okay. As far as I understand it, I'm protected. So if you 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 say hate Hazy, horrible words to Hurty me. words to you. I don't know. I, can't, you know um, I don't know. I maybe can go, you know, roll down to the seat. <laughs> take, take a case against that. me. Yeah. yeah. He hurt you, wordy me. <laughs> and I want to take a case, you know, sort of thing against mm. this. And I want everything checked about you and do you name it. But I can tell you for a fact 
that the, the, the only hate that I've ever come across was from another protected species. <laughs> well, the, the only hate I'm seeing at the moment is from the Irish government, to be honest with you, if you ask me. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but I think we all agree, and just come back very briefly to Dave. Dave, Dave, you do agree that the original legislation, the Incitement to Hatred Act 1989, which uh, basically, or Incitement to Violence, just say, which stops people, you know, organising violent events or, you know, insinuating violence against a community or, whatever, or a minority, whatever it is. I mean, as much as we might need to just update that a little bit and put social media into it, you don't object to that, I'm assuming. Because that would be fair, wouldn't it? And that, that would be my point. That yeah. There are laws on the books already that can deal with crimes that people may commit that are founded on hate, whether it be speech or actions or anything else. Those laws are already there. They may need to be refined, as you said, and brought up to date. But those laws are there. There's no reason to ban certain types of speech. I mean, the government were going on the other day and, and yesterday again in the doll naming people who were on social media saying, you know, this person said, let's organize, you know, a riot here or a riot there or whatever it is. And, and those people then who did all the burning and everything else, everything that was done last Thursday was already illegal. I mean, setting fire to cars, attacking the Gardaí, looting and going online and suggesting we should go and burn the place down or whatever it is they wanted to do. Those things are already illegal. So I, I can't understand the reason why they're using this as an excuse to bring in legislation. Well, as a former politician myself, and, and I can tell you, I discovered very quickly, politicians use hot topics to get attention, to get their face on the camera. And they have to have something to say, and they always propose a law because that's what they do. They make laws. And so they try to think of what law can I do that will show people that I'm concerned about this horrible event that took place. A good example is the United States and gun laws. Every time there's another shooting in America, people propose laws. None of those laws have ever stopped those shootings from taking place. They keep happening. So it's illogical, but it still happens because politicians have a knee-jerk reaction, and that's what's happening here because of this very sad event that happened last week. Okay, well, hold on. Stay there, Dave, for a second. Let me go to Peter Dooley from the Dublin Renters Union. Peter, good afternoon. It's nice to talk to you again, Peter. You too, Noel. Uh, nice to talk to you as well. Peter, now, you're a socialist. Um, is that an insult, by the well, way? I don't like it. Could I put in a box or something, Noel? <laughs> well, I mean, everybody gets a label these, these days. Yeah. Work, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, stand up for ordinary working class people. Okay, maybe that's hate speech in yeah. itself, is it? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, as a socialist, Peter, <laughs> and you would be a socialist, I consider you a socialist, do you agree with these hate speech laws? Absolutely not. I think uh, it's fundamental, basic uh, right to have freedom of expression and to give your view and opinion. In particular, my opinion, maybe sometimes, now you know yourself, mm -hmm. uh, it will go against sometimes a lot of people around, uh, you know, the right to have a home in society and stuff. We have many discussions. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's a vital premise of a democracy. You have to have discussion, you have to have debate, you have to have dissent, you have to have critique, you have to have people challenging authority or challenging positions, essentially, uh, to what's happening in society. Otherwise, you're not in a democracy. I think it's a fundamental question of democracy. Well, the minister, um, the minister is, is insinuating or insisting that these laws will not stop free speech. And what I found interesting on primetime going back a couple of months ago when she was on and she was asked why they wouldn't define the word hate. And I don't think you can define the word hate. It's an emotion more so than anything else. But she said, she, they start giving her examples and they said, okay, well, say if J.K. Rowling who, who we're all familiar with, who has put up tweets on numerous occasions in relation to transgender people uh, in women's sports. Should, if she put that up, uh, would that be against the law? And the minister was kind of going, um, no, I think that would be okay. 
And then they asked her another one and she said, oh, well, that might be. And I'm going, so my future and my prosecution depends on what the Minister for Justice, a woman, let's be clear, it's just a woman, but she just happens to be the Minister for Justice, what she personally thinks of my words. And I find that just bizarre that you've got one person who will decide if what you said is hurtful to somebody else. Yeah, well, like the bill, bill itself, think about it logically. The bill says, hate, defines hatred, means hatred. So where's the definition of hate? But I mean, I could turn around and say, I hate you. I, I'm you quite entitled. Exactly. I don't, Peter, by the way. I like you, by the way. But I, but, but I, I could turn around and say, I hate Peter Dooley. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that shouldn't be illegal for me to say, I hate Peter Dooley. You know what I mean? I mean, no, it's just well, an emotion. I wouldn't take offence to that, Noel. I wouldn't take offence to that because I wouldn't be, uh, I'd, I'd actually try and look at a contention and try and actually get to have a discussion or a debate around the reasonable debate, Noel. I think that's what everybody looks for. But this uh, tin is, is a drive down the road for me and you can see more and more people see it. It's driving towards authoritarianism. We've seen it over the last number of years where huge uh, restrictions on people's lives during the, the COVID period, for instance. And the so-called uh, far left, as they were called before, have shown their true colours essentially as being uh, power grabbers as well and very much authoritarian. And mm. I, I would actually go against the stuff that they were standing for, the zero tolerance. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I want to go back to what Dave was saying as well. And Dave is a religious man. And a lot of religious people in this country have a great fear in relation to these, these pieces of legislation. And over the years, by the way, I have never, by the way, adhered to the laws of blasphemy. As people know, if they've been listening to me for 25 years. I mean, because I don't think anyone was ever actually really charged with blasphemy in Ireland. The law was a little bit of a joke anyway. But the thing about it is, I have a huge respect for Dave and the fact that he has a religion and he believes in God and everything else, even though I don't. I still never, but I don't have to respect the religion. So I should be able to go on, for example, and say I don't believe in Islam and I don't believe in Christianity and I don't believe in all those things. I think they're all just a cult or whatever it is. Without somebody arresting me for saying it, it might upset Dave a little bit. But then Dave is quite welcome to come on the air and talk to me and say, well, Nine, you know, I don't think you're right. And that, but that's the way society works, isn't it? 100%. Like, you know, the right to practice your religion freely in, is, Absolutely. is fundamental in any democracy or no, no religion, whatever your belief I've had is, my best debates you know, with religious people, people, by the way. Of all beliefs and no beliefs, uh, you know, that has, that's, pluralism is a, is a vital part of society, isn't it? And acceptance of everybody. Yeah. And in a democracy, that's, that's where you accept people. Uh, you don't have one rule uh, fits all, for instance. But the danger is when you give so much power to a crowd at the top of society who have taken so much power, for instance, over the last number of years in terms of restricting people's rights and acting totally anti-democratically against the public public's wishes, such as like 73% of the submissions that went into this uh, bill were opposed to this legislation. And despite many more people uh, being opposed to it as well, I did a poll even on my own Twitter page a couple of days ago, uh, and 87% of people uh, were against it as well. We've always been uh, an advocate for people having speaking their mind and speaking out on what their issues are. And but but why, why do you think we have a government now who is not listening to the people. So you're right, 19% of people, according to RTE, agreed, their their own poll agreed with the legislation, 19%. You just said 70-something disagreed, which is about, probably about right as well. And I reckon it's probably a little bit higher than that. I reckon if 90% of people understood this particular piece of legislation, they wouldn't agree with it. And by the way, it's the one thing that seems to have joined the left and the right, because I know people who are lefties to the core, and they disagree yeah. with this legislation. They think it's Orwellian as well, because it restricts their freedom too. But I mean, why do you think... When, say, even in the immigration debate, 76% of the population believe we've let in too many yeah. people. And yet the government are constantly ignoring the wishes of the people. Why do you think that has happened? 
I think it looks pretty obvious. They don't work in the interests of the people of Ireland. I think they, I've said it many times, maybe on, the, on your show previously, you know, about the neoliberal agenda of the European Union. They've sold out to the bureaucrats in Brussels who basically issue diktats to them. And we're essentially the good boys in the class all the time. We were through the bank bailout where they gave a nice pat on the head to, uh, to Enda Kenny and Eamon Gilmore, despite all their language about, you know, Ireland's way or Frankfurt's way. They, again, lay down uh, to the, Brussels, the bureaucrats in Brussels saddled us with massive uh, bank and debt and austerity as well. And now, we're, again, we're the best boys in the class, even with the migration issue. It's off the wall what's happening. It's absolutely I, I've never seen so much virtue signalling in, in my life, honestly. Well, so, Peter, but Peter, just say there for a second, because I want to go to Morgan as well. Morgan, hi, how are you? I know. Um, stress, I think, is the best uh, way to describe it. Uh, very stressed, very worried. Uh, we're in a very, very dark place, I think. Can you fix your phone, Morgan? You sound like you're kind of like a dialect. Sorry, can you hear me better now? Uh, that's a little bit better. Yeah, but go on. Go on. So you're okay. very stressed, you're very worried about this piece of legislation, is it? Yeah, we're, we're in a dark, we're in a very dark place. Um, our, our government is gone full totalitarian. Um, as far as I can see, um, all the hatred is coming from the government. It seems to be, at the moment, uh, squarely aimed and directed at the underclass. Um, I've watched people online um, saying how virtuous they are and... Uh, calling for these hate speech laws, while in the same breath, almost calling for people, uh, the scum, um, to be wiped off the face of the earth. Because that is the problem. The problem is the scum. Um, and that, at the moment, seems to be directed at the underclass. And that will move out from there to other classes as well. Well, um, what upsets it, me most about what happened last Thursday night, obviously the tragedy upset me more so than anything else during the day, but what happened last Thursday night was a group of individuals who were criminals clearly, because they, they were looting, they were setting fires, and they were attacking everybody. They were intent on causing trouble. But but the fact that we would even suggest that they're right wing, they're not any wing. They're not politically motivated whatsoever. They're just people who took a, an opportunity to cause mayhem. And now it seems that anybody who has a view that would be anti-establishment or that would be in, you know, contravening any government thoughts or views um, is extreme right wing. That's just it. And we need to silence you. Yeah, because it, it, it's all very simple, um, because then we don't have to address the issues of um, why that happened. Um, granted, there were scumbags, uh, if you want to call them scumbags, there were, you know, petty criminals who saw an opportunity to steal uh, and loot. Mm-hmm. But we all seem to have forgot about what the flashpoint was. The flashpoint was those children being stabbed and the, the women uh, being stabbed. Or in That's the flashpoint. And beyond that... Well, the, the, well, the flashpoint the flash point is is that people feel only a week after, of course, the the trial of Ashling Murphy and the and the guilty plea, and or, or should I say, the Joseph Pushka being sent to jail for the murder of Ashling Murphy, and before that as well, of course, we had the other case for of the those last two men years, in Sligo. But but years. I think people people that was just I think it was like something that was smouldering for months, mm. and that I particular think years, I think many years. Well, that particular tragedy, I think, was just the point at where people said enough is enough, or they felt enough is enough, yeah. and they and they want their streets to be safer. Yeah, and people, the, the thing is, like people can't speak. People haven't been allowed to speak as it is, and, and for the last twenty years, you know, there's been it's it's verboten to speak about immigration, um, mass immigration. It hasn't been allowed, and it's still not allowed, and now now it's getting. It's getting worse. And what happens when people can't speak, and well, then the next step is violence. And, and that's not to justify it. It's just a fact of history and a fact of human nature. Mm-hmm. And now it's where we, we, we will not be allowed to speak about anything. And I'd just like to remind people that the, the right to free speech doesn't come from government. 
It's an inherent God-given right, if you believe in God or not. It doesn't come from the government. If the government wants to shut us up, that tells us more about the government and the people in there. So people are free to speak. People are always have been free to speak. And we should focus our worry and concern on those who don't want us to speak and ask the question, why is it you don't want me to speak? Why is it that 70 to 80 percent of Irish people are unhappy with the immigration into this country, yet 99 percent of the political class are? Aren't they supposed to represent the people? Isn't it odd that the people of you know, inner city uh, Dublin and Tala and other areas like that, they all vote for people before profit, Sinn and Fein. the Green Party, Sinn Féin, and yet none of them seem to represent their views. Isn't that very odd? Well, I, but I, I, I only said this the other night. I think Sinn Féin are playing a very precarious political game um, that the people who they depend on to get their votes are the working class people. And yet I'm seeing the working class people rise up against Sinn Féin. So I think Sinn Féin are playing a, a dodgy game where they're going to lose a, popula- a lot of popularity. But I, I mean, in relation to people's safety on the streets and, and the Garda Shikana and the mess that was made of that particular uh, situation on Thursday night, because Garda themselves and the Garda Representative Association said there was no plan that Garda were actually WhatsApping each other privately to get in here quick. You know, there's a riot breaking out. So, and you would imagine, you know, Drew Harris, the, the, the Commissioner of Police, the Irish Police Force, would have known that, oh, look, you know, the stuff on social media, maybe we should just have a presence in there just in case. But they didn't. And not only that, you know, they're, they're going on about how well they did over the weekend. And they did. There was a good guard of presence in town. I don't know how long that's going to last. But outside that school where that attack happened last week, you know, yesterday the guards promised they would police that area of, north, of the north inner city, which they haven't been doing very well. You know, parents collecting their children found an intoxicated man outside the school gate lying in his own urine yesterday. So they're doing a wonderful job of continuing to police that particular area. Yeah, I think that there's there's an inherent danger in that as well, um, where we, we, we actively say, listen, we don't want uh, an authoritarian police state, yet we seem to be calling for it. Um, and I know it's very easy to fall into the trap. Well, I, I don't think well, anybody we, wants an authoritarian police state. They just want a police presence to, to deter presence, crime. But I, I, yeah, but I, I would be of the mind that um, that's what citizens should be doing. Because why, like when we, when we distrust this government about everything, why would we then trust them to basically, you know, increase the, 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 the guard of force on the streets. What are they going to do? They're not going to protect the people. They don't protect the people already. That force is there to protect the political class. The political class are the ones who enact legislation and then the guards and the army and the, the power of the state then enforce it. They do not act in the interest of the people. They simply do not. People only act in their own self-interest. We have parties in the dole. They are loyal to their party. They are not loyal to the people. There are cults. All our politicians have been trained, they've gone through the university system, they've been indoctrinated with all this woke nonsense, call it postmodernism, neo Marxism, whatever you want to call it. That is who we have in the door at the minute. They are of a different religion to us. They don't call it a religion, but it is a religion. But I mean, okay, well, just before I come to Madeline, Peter, just coming back to you. Well, hang on, just coming back to Peter, who is a kind of socialist as well. Peter, will we be ever happy with the type of government that we get? There was a time, Peter, where, you know, a government would consist of a government in power, an opposition who had an opposing view, uh, and then a few parties on the outside throwing in their, you know, their pennies worth. We don't have that anymore. We have three political parties, essentially, uh, who all have exactly the same view. You could call it a unit party now, a unit government, a unit all really essentially at the moment, bar maybe one or two exceptions who speak out. Okay. Well, they're independent, so they don't the have real, much the say, the do they? Is where, where, yeah, but the real, I think the real 
issue is uh, where the power lies in society really and where and who it serves. And in particular, we've seen with all this legislation being pushed forward under the premise of protecting the citizens. <laughs> like, you have to ask the question, who is it protecting? It's protecting the interests of the, of the ruling classes. And just to amplify the previous point that was made, made by Dave, uh, it's ordinary working class people who always fought for their rights. They fought for the rights to vote. They fought for the rights to uh, for uh, independence in Ireland. And for, for many, many years, people stood up for you know our democracy and independence, and from the from the British as well. Um, people have have to learn again to struggle. Have to learn again to speak out and stand up when it's when it's wrong. Like, this is blatant injustice that's happening mm-hmm. in front of our eyes day by day, and it's because of the economic inequalities in society because of the neoliberal policies and it's because of the drive towards mm-hmm. authoritarianism. They just want to control people and they want to just silence dissent so they can have the narrative. Well, we, we, we've seen a great example of that the other night. Sorry for interrupting, but of course, John McGurk from yeah. Grip Media was on the Tonight Show on VMT the other night. I don't know whether you, you guys seen the clip of it, okay, or the clips that are going around. So he was the only one on the panel from that side of the debate, if you want to say yeah. it. There was three people against him. And, you know, and he was being questioned as to why he felt Grip Media needed to... Um, uh, post the facts about the nationality of the man um, who was responsible for this act. And he said, but it was news. And they and it was suggested to him by politicians there that certain parts of the news should be withheld from the general public, that we don't deserve that information. Do you understand? And I find surely, that bizarre that politicians are telling the media now what they can and can't report. Yeah. Well, a journalist's job is not to censor. It's not to decide on what the censorship is or what the level is for censorship for the, for the listener or viewer. It's to get to the truth. It's to present the facts. And, and that's uh, exactly what Grip Media did. And I support Grip Media and what they did. But more or less, the media are being told, by the way, the Irish Mirror also did it too, but nobody mentioned them. Maybe it just goes to show you the Grip Media are more popular. I don't know. The other but, but, is obviously... Yeah, no, on. just to say briefly, the thoughts and prayers are with the, with the victim. Of the Absolutely. Tragedy, the Who's child. still in a critical condition. And, and by the way, that teacher is still in a serious condition. Yeah. Up and a number of more stepped up who were brilliant in that day. But that area, for instance, I, I did a video a number of days ago in the Northern City uh, and demonstrated the, the inequalities, deprivation that's left behind, demonstrated the amount of emergency accommodation in that area and the huge, the huge social inequalities. Like, the Northern City could be a beautiful place. We spoke about it before, O'Connell Street as well, Noel, which is a beautiful street, and it's been destroyed. Uh, and this is deliberately done to, to, to create all this, uh, to create the crisis. They come up with a uh, solution for the crisis. Why should we, you know, people who, who start these crises in the first place, why should we then uh, subject ourselves to them, decide that they have the solutions? Okay, well, do me a favour. Stay there for a second. I'm Madeline. I'm going to be straight with you now in a second. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. And all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. All right, let me go to Madeline if I can. Madeline, hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm boiling over here, just dying to get in. Okay, but sorry for keeping everybody. I do apologise. I could probably fill five hours today if I wanted to. Well, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, first of all, just let me say, um, Peter, uh, follow all his stuff. I think he's absolutely awesome. John McGurk as well. Um, I just feel over the last three years since the beginning of this scandemic, um, there has been no forum for real people to get on and speak about what is really going on. The government and the authorities have hid behind glass screens now since the beginning of 2020. So nobody is getting an opportunity to discuss what's actually going on with them. This hate speech law, I feel, is a gagging order. And it's not just about 
COVID, the Ukraine, Palestine, uh, the immigration situation. I think this gagging order is going to be about something way more sinister. And I think your previous two speakers actually touched on this. This speech law may get in, it may pass, and maybe some of this problems like the immigrants will be sent back to where they come from. And the fighting Irish, which I'm very proud to be Dublin Irish from the Liberties, will think they've won until the next big thing. And when this gagging order is in, when you're told you're not even allowed to think and I think that is what's behind this. This is pitting the people against each other. Um, Irish people are the most welcoming, most generous, uh, probably some of the nicest people you meet in the world. And for them to be depicted as the savages that the government have depicted us as over the last uh, week on um, TV is absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Leo Bradger, Helen McEntee, Drew Harris, totally responsible for having failed the country over the last few years. Dogs on the street were barking that this was going to happen. Don't condone any of the violence, but there were thousands of people out there peacefully protesting. I've been on every protest since 2020. I've never had a crossword with anybody. I've never been in a fight with anybody. You've never set fire to a Lewis. You've never set fire to a bus and you've never attacked him. I can attacked him light my fire at home now and I have to get my car. Okay, but let me go back to the hate speech laws themselves. I'm looking globally at this. And when you're looking at yeah. CNN, Fox News, yeah. all the big podcasters in the world, Joe Rogan, they, they've all talked about it. Actually, only Tucker Carlson did a whole show on it the other night, okay, but the Irish hate speech laws. I mean, yeah. and this has all come from what happened last week. Now, of course, the tragedy of last Thursday is one thing that we should all have in our minds, and hopefully that young girl will recover. We really do hope she recovers. But but in saying that, the, I suppose the real tragedy for the people in some sense was the riots that happened that night because it gave the government an excuse to deflect away from everything and use it as an opportunity to bring in laws which they know people object to. But this is what I'm saying, Niall. This is the ploy. They know how passionate the Irish people are. Give the Irish uh, uh, something to fight about. They will fight for their rights. They will fight for their country. They knew this. And they're using this tragedy of the stabbing of children to score points about how important immigrants are in this country. What about all the Irish? The Irish who have worked here for generations and worked hard. And don't tell me about the Irish going away during the famine and people emigrating to America. There's not an Irish person on the planet didn't work hard for what they have in other countries. I know this because I have two children who emigrated to America and they work damn hard for everything they have over there. And I'm not, go- but I, I'm not going to deny that immigrants are an important part of our country too because our health service relies on people who come no. into this country and work hard, skilled workers who work hard. Um, all our multinational companies, for example, who pay a huge amount of tax in this country, Not even though they, you know, they all play a huge role in this country as well. I think what concerns people most is the increase in population, the sudden increase in population in 18 months. And I suppose that the fact that by Michal Martin's own admission on BBC News, they weren't doing security checks or they're not doing security checks on anybody. Come here. I know people who work in the airport, the amount of passports they find torn up down the toilet. I'd love to know how they do it because I didn't um, have the COVID vaccine. I couldn't see my children in America for three years because I didn't have documentation. So I would love to know how, I think it's 146,000 people have come in here with no documentation and no passports. Would love to know how they did it. Mm. It is it is a quite a concerning fact. And and that, and that the problem is that horse is now yeah, already, but that horse is bolted. Yeah. I tell you, so I, te- I tell you something else. We organised during the Turnipen, um protests up here, up at Santry. Well, we I know the organised one, yes. a Zoom call with um, Minister Joe O'Brien. 
Um, and there was a lot of questions asked. Nothing was dealt with. And one of the questions I did ask him was, could he explain why we had so many undocumented, unvetted, military-aged men coming into the country? And as true as God is true, I'm holding this phone. Do you know what his answer was to me? What? I'm not getting into this with you. Right, okay. And, and unfortunately, they won't get into, get into you. And just to clarify, as much as you said that there's, you know, military-aged men undocumented, and that, yes, there is quite a lot of men of that stature coming into this country. There are also quite a number of women and children who genuinely need help, and a couple of, a lot of people, by the way, who genuinely need their support. And I don't think anybody would deny anybody on humanitarian grounds, if their life was in danger, the support they need to move to another country. But we must do that. We must not be reckless about how we do it. And I think Madden and everybody oh, would... But that's what I'm saying. There's no buffer in the middle here. The government are, as that chap says, totalitarianism is absolutely ruling here. The ordinary person on the ground has no forum to be able to speak about their, their real issues. The people in East Wall, when they went out protesting, their message was, we want to protect our children. Has anybody talked to them? The other night on Casey Hannan on RTE, people from Ross Lair had a similar problem, and they said it there on RTE that your man, Minister Joe O'Brien, had not re-engaged with them about the uh, large amount of immigrants that were going to be dumped into Ross Lair. So there's no buffer in the middle. And the thing about it is now, I feel if you speak with a flat Dublin accent, just like I do, I'm deemed to be far right. Well, I'm far from it. I'm from the Liberties, proud of it. I love my country. My mother was from the Liberties, by the way. My mother's from the Liberties. She was born in James's right. Three Flats. Well, no, James's Three Flats. Well, I'm from my first room myself. Or, as well, or what's it called? Mother Mary Aikenhead Flats is the proper name for it, isn't it? Mother Mary Aikenhead, right. <laughs> Up there at Mount Brown. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I mean, I'm heartbroken at what's going on in this city at the moment. And I would love to see a resolution, but we are not going to see a resolution while this government are sitting there. And actually, just something somebody said there about Sinn Féin, they haven't opened their mouths for the last three years and suddenly now they've an awful lot to say in the last week. They, they have been no help as the opposition. They have offered people no solace and they're still not offering solace. They're in there doing what everybody else in the doll now is doing, is trying to score points. Okay, listen, thank you, Madeline. Very well said. Thank you very much, very much indeed for that. Let me go to Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Thanks. Hi, how are you? Uh, Lorraine, what do you want to say? I'm terrified for the Ireland my kids are growing up in. Like, are they all going to be sheep? Do we all have to abide by what the government say? As you said, biology to me is you can be a man and a woman. I have nothing against transgenders, but that's just biology. Is that hate speech? Well, like, well, it, it, well it could be deemed as hate speech. That's what I mean. How far are they going to go with this? How far are they going to tell us? It's see, the, prob the problem with hate speech, this hate speech bill, is we don't know. And until the bill is signed by the president and somebody's prosecuted with it, we don't actually know because there is no definition of the word hate. So, for example, Lorraine, you believe men and women are men and women and that's it. There's nothing in between. So you, you go on. Okay, that's fine. You go online and you say that and see what happens. And if somebody turns around and says, I want Lorraine prosecuted, I'm hurt by that. I'm a transgender person. She's lying. I want her. To, she's now upset the whole community because under the, the, the laws, they're a protected characteristic because they identify as something else. Um, you know, let's see if you go to court and let's see if you get, if you get criminalized for it. That's what I mean. Like, I have no problem. You want to identify as a flower. Off you go. Or a light you bulb. You want to be that. Or a light bulb. Stick a light bulb up your arse and be a lamp. I don't care. But to me, you're either a man or a woman. Like, I'll give you a laugh. Like, my 10-year-old son did a knick-knack in March. Him and his friends on one of our neighbours' house. And the guards came up and threatened my son with a non-violent hate crime for a knick-knack. You're joking me. No, we I We used to do knick-knacks all the time. On the 17th of March on Paddy's Day, and because our neighbours are foreign nationals, now I'm nothing against foreign nationals, absolutely nothing, fair play to them, 
Him and his friends did a knick-knack on this door. The guards arrived up at my house 20 minutes later and threatened my 10-year-old with a non-violent hate crime and he was told not to walk by her house. But but hon, but he's ten. He's you're not you, you're not even at the age of criminal responsibility. You're twelve. No, you asked. Will you ever get? If you get Jay on this again, my partner. You asked Jay because Jay was here. The guards were lucky. I wasn't here because I probably would have been arrested myself that night. They ten can't. But they can't. They can't threaten that, to charge a child. Were, the words that were used was non-violent hate crime. But they could. But your child could never be charged with a non-violent hate crime. He's ten. But that's what he was said to him. The, yeah, the law, I mean, then the guards don't know the law then because the law in this country is you cannot be criminally responsible unless it's murder. You cannot be criminally responsible in this oh, country no, under the age of 12. That's what was said. That's what was so said because they were knick-knacking it and intimidating her from a knick-knack. And don't get me wrong. You shouldn't be knick-knacking at people's doors. But I'm no, pretty, but I'm pretty sure your son didn't look to see who was living there or, did, you know, no, or where they were, they were doing from. No, they were doing it on everybody's house. Yeah, randomly. They were doing it on everybody's house. It wasn't just they went up and went, oh, look, that's her house. Let's, let's go do a knick-knack. They were doing it on everybody's house. It wasn't just tours. Everyone in the estate got done that day, I'd say, by the mall. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the crazy. I am no word of a lie. The guards were up at my front door about 20 minutes later because of a knick-knack. So is that how bad they're getting now? They're going to stop kids being kids? We're not allowed to have an opinion? Like, how far do they want to take us? We're already a joke on this planet. Like, they're making Ireland out to be an absolute joke with the rest of the world. It's like, at this point... Just get out of fucking government and leave us alone. Like, I'm not a sheep. I'm not going to follow what you say just because you're standing there telling me I have to do it. I'm, I'm just sorry, Lorraine. I'm just completely speechless that the guards would come to the door of a 10-year-old and say, yeah. threaten to charge him with a non-violent a crime. Non-violent hate, hate crime. crime. You asked Jay. Because he did Jay a knick-knack. Because he did a knick-knack. And it wasn't even him that did the knick-knack on our door. It was one of his friends. But he was out which, knick-knack. I'm which, not going to deny that. It was. Which guard, which guard station was it? I don't, I'd rather not say. Okay, I'm going to look into it, if you don't mind. Yeah. No, go for it. Ask Jay. We're talking yeah. to Jay. Ask Jay. I'm just horrified by that. I just yeah. think that's the most ridiculous look. waste to guard a time I've ever seen in my life. Don't get me wrong. I'm pad- you know, I mean, maybe maybe the individuals themselves were a little bit frightened and well enough. But I don't know. But, it, you know, it's a knick-knack. Sure. I mean, my neighbours used to be pissed off at me because I was knick-knacking all the time when I was a kid. It, it, was, a, it was a knick-knack. Like, it was, an, it was a knick-knack on her door. Um, because she felt intimidated, apparently, and they were, and he was told not to walk by her house. Somebody just texted and says, "No, nah, what's a knickknack? It's when you go and knock on someone's door and just run away. <laughs> it's nothing more than that." No, that's exactly. Okay, what but, okay, but getting back to the hate speech laws themselves, it looks like we're not going to have a choice. It looks like Leo Varadkar is using the opportunity of last Thursday night's events to bring in these hate speech laws, um, and you know it means that the only way around this is by allowing it to happen and allowing somebody to be prosecuted who will then go to court and then a challenge will be taken to the Supreme Court. That looks like the only way out of this now, at this stage. Well, like, are we all supposed to be sheep and just do what he? tells us to do and not have an opinion. The whole point of government, as you said... Well, we do have an opinion. One, I mean, you know, over 80% of people say they disagree with this legislation. But they're not listening. They don't care. Why Why not put it to the public then? Because they won't. They don't why have to. Because they don't have to. I know. Why not? Like, it's just... It, it's boiling my blood because nobody can go against... I say, as I said, men and women, that's the two genders. I'm now sprouting hate. Well the, pop, well, the biggest problem the biggest problem that you have is is that all three political parties that you might want to vote for in the next election all agree with it. Are all sheep. And they're all following each other. And these are Sinn Féin, I, by the way, meant to be representing the working oh, class people. You know I know, I mean? and she's just, she's just as bad. She's just, as your previous caller said, now she's just talking. Because, 
she has something to say all of a sudden now. Like, Mary Lou MacDonald's just as bad as the rest. How can the government actually genuinely sit there and go, this is actually a good thing for Ireland? How? I mean, what I find hilariously funny is that they're bringing in hate speech laws to protect certain characteristics. And one of those characteristics is gender. And yet, most of those politicians, if you ask them what a woman is, they won't even answer the question. They won't tell you. Nobody can tell you because they're terrified if they say a woman's a woman, has ovaries in a womb. They're wrong. Stay. I just think it's so... It's, it's, okay, it's, we'll, it's we'll stay there a second because I've got four more people I've got to get to before I finish today. Sorry, yeah. Morris, hi. How you doing, Morris? Well, how are you doing? Can you hear me? I'm grand, Morris. What do you want to say? I'm going to hand myself into Ballyferma Police Station today uh, and say I was responsible for a non-hate crime 55 years ago <laughs> growing up in Ballyferma. Nick-knacking on doors? Yeah. It's, it's not... It, I, I just... I'm blown away by that. That Lorraine's kid at 10 had the guards coming to the door. Imagine criminalising a child. Well, they can. He was terrified. Yeah, that will tell you how bad the country's got, and I think it's right. Uh, these speech hate laws or whatever, nobody should have to tell you what you can and can't say. You shouldn't be saying things that are offensive to other people. We all get that. You can't be saying what we said years ago, this fella is that and that fella is this. But if a government that the people didn't vote for, and I'm talking now about the tree-headed snake that's running this country... Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, sworn enemies, decided to get together with another party to deny the people of the Republic of Ireland the right to vote for change. And they said, no, you're not getting this. We're going to band together, the three of us. We're going to stay in power for five years and we'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you where to go. We'll tell you when to sit down. We'll tell you when to go to work, stand up, shut your mouth, stay quiet and do what we tell you. And that's the way this country is going. It's turning into a tree-headed snake dictatorship. And th- that's what's happening on the streets. Okay, listen, Morris, thank you for that. I, I need to get through everybody very quickly here. Martin, sorry, Morris, we're cutting you a bit short there. Uh, Martin, hi, how are you? Oh, sorry, Martin. Good afternoon. Uh, Martin, how are you I'll doing? Be as, I'll be as brief as I can, Mo. Yep. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get most of the conversation that went on earlier on because I've just stopped for lunch, so that's how I'm joining you now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this thing of hate speech, firstly, they haven't defined what hate speech is. You've already covered that. Yep. But to quote Jordan Peterson, in order to be able to think and communicate, you have to be able to risk offending people. Yep. I'm offended daily. If I hear people say, oh, you know, an unborn child or a fetus is just a clump of cells, I find that deeply offensive. It offends me to my core, but nobody cares. They're not worried about that. I get on with it. I live with it, right? I'm fortunate that I, that I do live with it. The number of children that are dying in this country, they're not even given a chance of life. But if you, if you take, you know, and I know you're, you, you don't profess faith. No, I understand that, and that's not my point. But if you take people of the, of the uh, Abrahamic line, you know, you have Jews, Christians, Muslims, I would say any of, any of those, any person that falls into those three categories that practices their faith would also be offended. Who's standing up for them and, wh- and what they feel? Nobody. They're absolutely useless. They don't care about this country. They don't care about the people in this country. Well, they, well, they will claim they do. And they will claim that's the reason they want to bring in this legislation to protect minorities and protect certain characteristics. But protect, protect them from what? From, from well, from, look, from, I, I, from your speech. And my speech okay. and other people's speech. And, and it, it, it's been it's been a it's been a recognised position in in every in every civilised country 
that yes, if I if I make a call to action, if I call somebody to action, let's go and get or beat up or kill or whatever somebody or put somebody oppress somebody because of their colour, their faith, their politics or whatever else. That's a call to action. That is hateful, yes. I absolutely agree. But if I express an opinion that, in my opinion, a man cannot become a woman, or that uh, 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 from the moment of conception, that that, that, that embryo is now mm-hmm. has, has, has human qualities and is a human being, if I express those things publicly, I am now open to being labelled as someone who uses hate speech. That's nonsense. It's ridiculous. It, okay. they're, they're destroying the country. And as far as this thing about the far right, the far right hasn't risen in this country. And anyone who says it has is an idiot. I, I, was, I, I was listening to um, Tom McGurk on... on John McGurk. Yeah, John. Yeah. Uh, sorry, John McGurk. I beg your pardon. Yeah, we'll be talking um, to him tomorrow inter- on the show. Yeah. Being interviewed by some, some, uh, some bozo, I don't know who she was, the, re- the reporter, interviewing him and asking, you know... Grips Media were the only ones who reported the facts on what happened at Parnell Square last week in reporting the man's... Nationality. His country of origin, yeah. his nationality, the fact that he's been here for 20 years, the fact that there was a deportation order served on him and it was, it was never carried out and then he became an Irish citizen and he's been living here apparently without working. Okay, we can't go too much more into that, okay, because obviously that's part of an ongoing investigation. But, okay, but, but yes, but they reported the facts. She, she, yes. she, she said to him... Do you not think that's irresponsible? He's he's a journalist and a reporter. Grips Media reported the facts. I couldn't agree with you more, Martin. Thank you very much indeed. Sorry, I'm rushing through people. I do apologise. Uh, John, hi, how are you doing? Hi. Uh, listen, if you take yourself out of the equation, you take Ben Scanlon out of the equation, you take John McCook. I mean, you're the only three people like, who are asking the hard questions so continuously, right? I saw John McCook being berated, no, and almost demanding uh, what she wanted to hear was Kira Dahati last night on the Tonight Show on TV3 or Virgin 1, whatever they called it now, the Celtic K-pop. But I mean, like, he was well able to hold his own. Like, I mean, he that's was. The type of man he is. But take the three big guys out of the situation and there's little much else going on. You listen to News Talk, they share the same building as Classic Kids there. The biggest no, they don't. No, News Talk don't share the same building as Classic Kids. What I did is sorry, no, no, my no, apologies. No, no, uh, um, not at all. Other, like, other side of the city. Them, I switched around yesterday, there, no, and between RT. Just, and just to clarify, News Talk Today FM and uh, ninety eight FM are in the same building. All right. yeah. but the thing is, I mean, all I heard from RT when they switched around and and News Talk was was far right, far right, far right, far right. But we all know there was nothing organised by far right, other than it's just pure scumbags done all the damage. People are quite entitled to come out and protest against what happened, the incident, right? And I hope the Chrysler came in that, look, I'm not even going to go there because if something happens, a tragedy in the next few days, I I tell you something, this this country will just blow itself apart. But this hate speech bill, when it comes in, it will affect everything. People are sleepwalking into it. Um, if I must say the regional hospital would across and saying abortion is murder, I will be done for that because some, anyone passing in the car can ring up the girls and say, I believe there's hate speech outside the COH. If I must say my heart Martin's office or his house or any constituency office in the country, if anyone is there for any reason, the staff can deem that, oh, that's intimidation, that's hate speech. Uh, this will close everything down if we're not careful. Okay, I couldn't agree with you more, John. I think it will, even though I may not agree with what you do, and we've had those conversations on many occasions, I do believe you have the right to do it. Uh, let me go to Joseph. Joseph, hi, how are you doing? 
Joseph, now you do you believe in the? I, by the way, anybody who thinks these HP saws are good is welcome to come on. But I don't have much time now. But unfortunately, nobody agrees with them, Joseph. Nobody. No, of course not. They're widely unpopular. You can look around, you see all the polls. If it were to go to a referendum, of course, it'd be knocked out in a second. But we are we are being um, uh, held captive by a group that we did not vote for. Um, I mean, you know, Leo and uh, the rest, they didn't get through their own election with uh, on first preferences. They were all in the 17th count or whatever. Yeah, but hold, but yeah, but hold on. With the greatest respect, Joseph, even if Sinn Féin had got in, we're the more popular party being voted for in the last election, right? If they'd have got in, they agree with it as well. They voted in favour of the hate speech laws too. So it would make no difference. Four years, we've learned a lot that Sinn Féin are absolute snakes and they're the exact same of uh, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael. They're, they're three people of the same party. Absolutely. But my point is, right, With people have to realise this. The default to exercise authority is violence and force. We have put in place protections from that. And I, and I mean, if anyone wants to say you have to do this, the only way they do it is by force. Now, we put on stuff like voting, stuff like democratic protections, citizens' rights. We put on that stuff to make sure that no one could apply force or could apply a requirement onto someone else unless it was properly you know, favourable, unless it was mm -hmm. good for the, mm -hmm. the community. What they're doing right now is they're stripping away all these protections. And they think they're still going to access the same amount of force or... or control over people but when those controls are taken away the default of what's left is violence so we're going but to nobody yeah but no to, to be war. fair joseph nobody wants to see violence nobody ever no. wants to come to that i'm not saying i want this to happen i'm saying this is what i see and it's happened a hundred times a hundred different countries all over the world you strip away the protection mm. you pull people have nothing left and you force them to do things they clearly don't want and no one agrees with there is more of us than there are of them. Of all the guard of the force, with their 10,000, so on. 13, 13,000. fight back. Yeah, they have to fight back, you know, at least 4 million very angry Irish people who want to stand up against this. I'm sorry, it's no yeah but, there won't, but yeah, but there won't be 4 million Irish people because the problem is, or the, well, not the problem, the thing is that, you know, people will get angry, people will get frustrated, and that always bubbles to the surface at some point. And, but generally speaking, the only people responsible for violence are people... I suppose it's a class thing, isn't it? And people who have been disenfranchised and disconnected from society and people who have had well, it bad no. most of their life. No, no, no. Look at, look at the history of a lot of this civil unrest and, and violence that has erupted around the country. They start implementing these hate speech laws. They start imprisoning your uncle. They start imprisoning your, your neighbours for saying, hey, I, you know, I don't like abortion. I don't like... A uh, man can't be a woman. I don't like the government they're going to radicalise a lot more people. And that's what we're seeing with the, the big protests on Thursday, is that a lot of people have been affected by immigration. They're getting pissed off hearing more stories, and they're more and more turning to, there is no protection. Violence is the way. Civil strife is the way. And that's what's going to happen. They are driving us towards a civil war. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Joseph, and thank you to everybody who came on the show today. It would have been great to get somebody on who actually agreed with the legislation. But here's the thing. Nobody agrees with the legislation. Some of the texts, by the way, coming in. Dave says, Niall, uh, normally I groan when people say something is Orwellian, but it actually is. 
Sarah Jane says, does this new law not defeat the purpose of religion in itself? Uh, love thy neighbour, etc., etc. So how is it going to be implemented? Will it be implemented while you're, when you're being arrested? You'll know all about it then. Maureen says, uh, should I be happy to chat with Nile? I live in care. Oh, sorry, that was Dave. He was chatting with me already. Maureen says, offences against feelings, Act 2023. Because that's essentially what it is. Hate is a feeling. Lorraine says, no, I think it's a stupid law and a way for the government to control us. Jenny says, hi, Nile. We're living in China. Uh, are we living in China? Uh, well, we're getting close to it, aren't we? There should be absolutely no restrictions on speech whatsoever. The government work for the people. Uh, they are not our masters. They fear being criticised for their policies and are using this bill to silence people. They're an absolute disgrace, says Jenny. Um, Dave says on Twitter, we will soon be told what we can buy, eat, drive, and what our pleasure and leisure will be. That comes in from Dave on WhatsApp. I'm looking here, I can find absolutely no comment from anybody who thinks this is a good idea. And I'm talking about people on the left and people on the right. Nobody thinks this law is a good idea because everybody's unclear as to what it actually is. Even the minister herself doesn't seem to understand the definition of the word hate. Remember, hate is an emotion. I could turn around to you today, any single, single one of you, and say, I hate you. I don't. But I could say that. Should that be illegal for me to do that? Should it be illegal for me to hate somebody? Of course not. What's next? Will we make happiness illegal as well? Just in case somebody says something to me someday that might be hateful, and I laugh at it because I'm happy. We make that illegal too while we're at it. And remember, the most dangerous part of this piece of legislation is you don't even have to actually say it. For example, a mate sends you something on your phone, a meme or something on your phone, the Garda Shia get wind of it or they believe you're involved in the circle of people who are sending these memes around. They get a warrant from the district court, which is really easy to get, into your house, take your computer, take all your family's devices and they find that meme on your phone. If they find that meme on your phone or something they can perceive to be hateful, that's all interpretation, isn't it? You can be arrested. Even though you haven't sent it to anybody, you haven't used it, you can be arrested and charged and possibly jailed. And it's up to you to prove you are not guilty according to the law, which completely goes against your constitutional right to the presumption of innocence. The minister describes, for example, if you're on your way to a protest or not even on your way to a protest, you're in your car, you're stopped by the Garda Shikana, they open your boot, and in your boot you have a poster that you were going to hold up at some point, maybe, um, saying, you know, um, immigrants not welcome here. Let's just say, for argument's sake, or I don't agree with transgenders, or whatever it happens to be, and you have that in the boot of your car, you can be charged for possession of hateful material, even though you actually haven't used it. And they can't even prove you intended to use it. It's up to you to prove you didn't intend to use it. Then it fell into your boot. It's the most ridiculous piece of Orwellian legislation we have ever seen. We are being laughed at around the world. Look at news stories. Look at the way they're reporting this on news channels around the world. And the biggest podcasters in the world, including Tucker Carlson and many others. Look at the way they're reporting it. We're a joke. They're looking at Ireland like some sort of, this is the Ireland we all thought, this little free country where everybody talks all the time, and now they're being told they can't speak anymore in case they offend somebody. It's the law against hurty words. That's what it is. And it needs to be stopped. You need to contact your local representative and tell them that you want it raised to the doll and you want this legislation thrown out. Remember, all your favourite political parties all voted for it. Well, most of them with the exception of 14 people who didn't. 
And we know who those 14 are. I'm not going to name them all now. But Sinn Féin, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, all voted for it. That's it for today, by the way. Don't forget, go to our website. Please support our podcast. It's really important that you support us financially because, of course, we need to pay for it. And we want to continue doing this every single day. So please do support. And if you like the show, if you don't like the show, don't support it. If you like the show, please support it. Thank you to everybody who supported us so far. You can go to our website. You can sign up for a subscription, $5.99 a month, which is the price of a pint of beer. Once a month for the three of us. The three of us working here on this show. We don't get paid. So you're buying us a pint between the three of us. Think of it like a once a month. If you want to subscribe, or indeed, if you want to just give a one-off payment, you can. You can go to the donate page on the website, nileboylan.com. You don't get anything for that, apart from us saying thank you. And you can donate anything for five euro, up to whatever you want, the world's your oyster. If you want to give us five grand, we'd be delighted. That'll cover the bills. Thank you to everybody who gets involved in the show. Thank you to everybody who supports us. We really appreciate it. I will be talking to John McGurk, by the way, tomorrow, because a lot of people are interested in listening to what John has to say. We'll be talking to John McGurk from Grip Media tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 12. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.